Chapter One of Beauty's Hour: A Fantasy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Beauty's Hour: A Fantasy, by Olivia Shakespeare. Chapter One. I remember very well the first time the strange thing happened to me on a winter's day in january i reached home tired and sat down in front of the looking-glass to take off my hat and remained looking as i so often do at my own unsatisfactory face gerald harmon had come up to his mother's study that afternoon while i was at work after lunch ostensibly on business really because there was a frost which had driven him from leicestershire to london leaving him with nothing to do and we had begun talking of irrelevant matters a woman must be good he said reflectively only a plain woman said i who has been behaving ill now i was generalizing or to be frank i was thinking of bella sturgis so am i you surely don't expect her to possess all the virtues and that face to be sure the face is enough answered he and sat staring full at me but thinking as i knew of bella sturgis does she amuse you i asked amuse me said gerald i'm sure i can't say one doesn't think about being amused when one is with her she just exists and that's enough i suggested possibly my voice was ironical for gerald looked at me then with a sort of jerk she's not intellectual and she's not really sympathetic and i don't like her one quarter as much as i do you mary said he now it is an understood thing that he is not to call me mary and so i reminded him but he only answered that we had been over the ground before and that it was time i owned myself defeated i was beginning to remark that nothing short of death would induce me to do so when lady harmon came in and gerald was somewhat abruptly dismissed i wish that idle mischievous boy would marry bella and settle down said she yes said i and went on writing why mary how ill you look she cried then is anything the matter i hate being told i look ill it only means that i look ugly but i answered cheerfully nothing in the world and she being easily satisfied went off on to another subject which lasted till it was time for me to go away the post of secretary to lady harmon was not altogether a bed of roses she has a wide range of interests and a soft heart and her other faculties are not quite in proportion i was generally weary by the time i reached home with the endeavour to reconcile her promises and her practice in the eyes of the world that most censorious of worlds the philanthropic i repeated gerald's words as i sat before the glass in my bedroom to be sure the face is enough he had said my own face pale with no salient points to make it even impressively ugly gave me back the speech as i uttered it i have neither eyelashes nor distinction i do not look clever or even amiable my figure is not worthy of the name 
and my hands and feet are hopeless the concentrated bitterness of years swept over me i loved gerald harmon as bella sturgis with her perfect face was incapable of loving but my love was rendered grotesque by the accident of birth which had made me an unattractive woman given beauty or even the personal fascination which so often persuades one that it is beauty i could have held my own against the world in spite of my poverty my lack of friends or of social position as things were i saw myself condemned to a sordid monotony ever at a disadvantage cheated of my youth and of nearly all life's sweeter possibilities i was considered clever by the harmons it is true but the world in general had it noticed me at all would have refused to believe that such a face as mine could harbour brains gerald i knew had proclaimed in the family that mary gower had wits and looked on me as his own special discovery for though i had but a plain head on my shoulders it was an accurate thinking machine and could occasionally produce a phrase worthy of his laughter i have a certain dreary sense of humour which prevents my being as a rule quite overwhelmed by this aspect of my life but on the january afternoon of which i write i was fairly mastered by it and when miss waitley came up to light the gas which she generally did herself she found me with my head on the dressing-table in an attitude of abject despair miss waitley was my landlady and had been my governess in better days my dear said she what's the matter only my face said i glycerin is the best thing said she and began pulling the curtains she knew perfectly well what i meant waity said i musingly how different my life would be if i were a pretty woman though only for a few hours out of the twenty-four oh yes she answered yet you might be glad sometimes when the hours were over i only shook my head and fell to looking into my own eyes again with the yearning stronger than it had ever been before rising like a passion into my face then something unforeseen happened miss waitley standing behind me saw it and i saw it myself as in a dream my reflected face grew blurred and then faded out and from the mist there grew a new face of wonderful beauty the face of my desire it looked at me from the glass and when i tried to speak its lips moved too miss waitley uttered a sound that was hardly a cry and caught me by the shoulder mary mary she said i got up then and faced her she was white as death and her eyes were almost vacant with terror what has happened said i my voice was the same but when i glanced down at my body i saw that it also had undergone transformation it struck me in the midst of my immense surprise as being curious that i should not be afraid no explanation of the miracle offered itself to me none seemed necessary an effort of will had conquered the power of my material conditions 
and i controlled them my body fitted to my soul at last i'm going mad cried poor miss waitley we can't both be mad said i don't be afraid tell me what i look like you are perfectly beautiful she gasped i began walking up and down the room i was much taller and my dress hung clear of my ankles when i noticed that i began to laugh waity i've grown i cried out she sat down do you feel strange she asked just the same only a little larger for my clothes what are we going to do will it last i think you had better just sit down again and wish yourself back never never if beautiful i can be beautiful i will remain let us put down the hour and the date i took up my diary and made a great cross against the day then i noticed that the sun set at twenty-seven minutes past four it was now twenty-five minutes to five i wonder what we can do to prove to ourselves that we've not been dreaming if i go back again i questioned let us first spend the evening as usual answered miss waitley i will tell jane that you are out and that a young lady is coming to supper with me jane was our one servant her powers of observation were limited and we did not think it would be difficult to deceive her so the stranger whose appearance seemed to bereave her of even her usual small allowance of sense sat that night at miss waitley's table at ten o'clock we slipped up to my bedroom and when jane's tread was heard in the room above we breathed freely she's gone to bed said i now we can brew tea and keep ourselves awake we must not sleep that is imperative we did not sleep though to poor miss waitley who had no sense of a triumphant new personality to sustain her the task must have been difficult then suddenly at the hour of sunrise i felt a sensation as of being in darkness in thick cloud from which i emerged with my beauty fallen from me like a garment we neither of us said anything i was conscious only of a physical craving for rest and sleep which overpowered me i think miss waitley was struck dumb in the presence of a wonder she could not understand we kissed one another silently and i went to bed and slept for a couple of hours a dreamless sleep end of chapter one